Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Amen. How y'all doing this morning? I'll try again. How y'all doing this morning? Y'all all right? Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> My mom used to have a tag in front of her car that said, Blessed and highly favored. Coffee broke down most of the time. Just kidding. You got to trust him even when your car broke down. Amen. Still blessed and highly favored. Um, thank you all for being here. This is kind of uh, uh, the last week of like freestyling kind of messages. Um, and um, I'm excited for what I feel like God's given me for the house today. I, um, I'll be real with y'all. I've been, uh, whoo, Lord, this week has been a long week. It's a lot of work, a lot of um, late nights up working, and uh, just a lot of things going through my head this week. A lot of talking to God about stuff concerning the church, uh, about uh, direction and clarity, and and um, Lord began to speak to me. I think it was probably about Friday, Thursday evening, Friday. It's Thursday evening. Lord began to speak to me. Because I've been praying, and I, listen, y'all, I have been praying and I have been talking to God about all the things we need. Well, we need a building. We need, you know, use a few more people, God. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. We need a golf cart. We need this. And God. Holy Spirit nudged me one night and said, God knows what you need, but do you know what you have? I said, say what, excuse me, who? Say that again. God knows what you need, but do you know what you have? I think sometimes we can get lost and, and we can get wrapped up in what we need from God or what we need to give God or what we have to do for God and we forget what we have. So I want to say what, what, what we have. What we have. Amen? And I, could, I, can, I can get into the physical aspect of things. You know, we're still in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world in this country, in the in in the world, right? You know, like even the bottom of our is still the top ten percent of the most wealthiest people in the entire globe. Amen. So it doesn't negate that poverty is an issue in America. Amen. That there's a disparity, but but we our minimum is still. Not even a lot of people's maximum. I'll try it again. Amen. Our minimum on your worst day is still not equivalent to somebody's best day. 
Amen? And we can overlook that. And we can complain about the things we don't have. Yes. We can worry about the things we don't have. And we can focus on the things that we don't have. And we can look at what we're lacking. Amen? And here's the problem with when we look at what we're lacking and what we don't have. Is we spend our life trying to balance our lives. I might say balance. How many of you know God never called you to balance anything? Show me a scripture where Jesus says, come on and balance your life with me. No, he says, if you're heavy and heavy laden, take my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is Life. Matter of fact, this is going to be our scripture today. I'm going to read it real quick. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I like it in the message scripture. It goes like this. It says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and, I'll, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus never calls us to balance our lives. He tells us to get in rhythm. Amen? Somebody say rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. We're going to talk about rhythm today. Amen? I know some of us ain't got no rhythm. It's all right. For the early parts of my years, I had no rhythm either. But if God did it for me, he could do it for you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. I pray you speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Casey. Uh, the balance and rhythm, two different things. I heard a story this week from Pastor Ben Daly. He was talking about uh, there's a, a pastor friend who was sharing, who has two, he had two daughters. One was in uh, a gymnastic, uh, she was in gymnastics and she did the balance beam. The other daughter was in dance. And the pastor was sharing how the difference between when he goes to see them in their performance goes to see his daughter on the balance beam at the, uh, you know, doing her gymnastics on the balance beam. He's like, the whole time we're stressed. We're looking like, I hope she don't fall off. She's trying to balance herself the whole time. Disregarding all the, the amazing things that may happen while on the balance beam. 
Amen? I don't know if you ever watched the Olympics and you see, you know, these, these incredible athletes do some, right? Simone Biles, isn't that right? That's the name. I always want to say Giles, just go ahead and bring her in the family. But, <clears throat> but you get to see these incredible things. And sometimes you watch some of these people, they do these balance beams. And, and, and I'm watching them. I know if you watch them, you're watching you like, good Lord. How are you running on that thing? Uh, we had the privilege of going to a birthday party not long ago. It was at a gymnastic thing, and they tried to get me to do the balance beam. And I was, you know, uh-uh. The whole time, you, you, yeah, think about this. Listen, listen. They are on this beam, and while amazing stuff is happening, most people who watch that, and probably the athlete who's there, the worry is, I don't want to fall off. You don't really get to focus on, I want to attempt and try this big old thing, because even in that big thing, like I'm going to try this amazing thing, this amazing thing, I'm going to try to do a flip and do a run and all these things, cartwheels, whatever it may be. Not me. Come on, somebody. Just me getting up on there. It's a miracle in itself. Come on. But imagine what must be going through the head of an athlete who is balancing themselves on a balance beam, right? It's not, I can only imagine that they would be thinking about, I don't want to fall. And this is the, the problem with balancing yourself. And trying to balance your life because balancing your life is all about trying to avoid the pitfalls. Trying to avoid the negatives. Come on, right? Balancing your life, you go from problem to problem. Oh, y'all going to get real quiet in the house of the Lord this morning. Okay, all right. I said I'm going to have to preach up in here. Many of us do this, and many of us have been doing this. So we go from problem to problem. We're trying to balance our life. Oh, well, I don't want this to fall, so I'm going to make sure I can. And you feel chaotic. Amen? This pastor begins to tell the story of going to see his daughter, who's in dance, dance. And the difference between the two is that the dance, they can enjoy the show because they're watching the daughter who finds the rhythm. And when she finds the rhythm, she ain't worried about nothing else. She's just in the rhythm. Come on, somebody. And Jesus' words to us is, is a word that encourages us to, to get in rhythm with him. Not balance. Amen? Rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. When the beat is steady, the song sounds so natural we don't even, we don't even really notice it, right? If, if a beat drops and somebody's like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't. I used to beatbox all the time. You know, I used to do that. <laughs> Y'all never done that before. But if, 
if, if a beat drops and the beat is just on point, I've heard, you know, I was, me and Aaron was talking about this this week. I was like, I, I feel like I need to just, this is, I, I want to start listening to South African music all the time. Because every time I hear it, I'm like, this is where I am, bro. This is naturally me. I'm just, uh, just going, right? It's so natural that you, you don't even pay attention. You just kind of find yourself moving. Amen? But when the rhythm is off, it is impossible not to notice that the rhythm is off. Amen? I want everybody to do this with me. All right? We're going to try something. Let's see if this works. Okay, y'all ready? I'm going to clap on a four count. I need you to clap with me. Give me I'm going to start you. One, two, three, four. Don't speed up. Don't, don't speed up. Now, y'all keep doing that. Y'all keep doing that. Now, how y'all how y'all doing? Who's who's struggling to stay on beat? <laughs> okay. What happens with rhythm? Now I played drums for a long time in my life, but what happens with rhythm is rhythm sets the tone of the song. Right? And so when you have rhythm in place, song can move smooth, but if someone gets off rhythm, it's noticeable. When I first started playing the drums, I had a worship leader. God bless his soul. Amen. Hallelujah. He had patience. That man, come on somebody. I'm not kidding. Y'all think I'm playing. In 1991, there is video evidence to prove this. My, I'm at a family reunion. I, actually, no, it was Thanksgiving. Our family reunions, Thanksgiving was a family reunion. They were kind of the same. It was just a, the same amount of people showed up to both, okay? Um, <clears throat> and it'd be thousands. I'm just kidding. It was, a, it was not a dozen. It was a, at least a hundred sometimes. Anyways, that's a lot of people, Thanksgiving. There's video evidence. They're, they pan the camera. My brother and my cousins, they're dancing. They're doing routines, you know. And, you know, back in the day when kid and play was, it was a thing, right? And they're, they're getting it in. And they pan the camera to me, and I'm like, and my, the person holding the camera goes, Fred can't dance. <laughs> it is very true, people. I had no rhythm at all. Somebody say rhythm. I couldn't clap on beat, couldn't walk on beat. Come on, somebody. None of it. And a, this worship leader at this church heard that I wanted to play drums, so he bought a drum set and told me that he wanted me to play. And God bless his soul. For at least half a year, I was not on rhythm during worship. Now, can you imagine trying to worship? Y'all never seen that, that video on YouTube, Drama at the Wrong Church? 
He's like, Pfft. oh, have you seen the uh, the the one with uh, what is it, the Ocean's Drummer? It's crazy. Just yeah, throws you off, right? Rhythm when it's done wrong, it's impossible not to notice. Why is this? Why is this important to note? This is because we are wired for patterns. We're wired for patterns. This is why we, some of us can get addicted to things so easy. Because addiction is just a perversion of a pattern. Amen? Not all patterns are bad. I would even say not all addictions are bad. It just depends on what you're addicted to. Amen. But we're wired for patterns. In fact, all of God's creation contains rhythm. The rise and fall of the tide. Amen? Steady beat of the human heart. Are you hearing me? Your heartbeat beats in a rhythm. When your heartbeat gets out a rhythm, we say something is wrong. Come on, somebody. The darkening of the skies at the each of, uh, uh, every day. Every day, it's daytime and it's nighttime. Amen. God created us for rhythm, for patterns. There's rise and fall. There's breathe in, breathe, breathe in, breathe. Breathe in, breathe. It's a rhythm. Amen? Some of y'all like, are we doing meditation exercises? We need to, some of y'all. Breathe in, breathe out. Heartbeat. Rhythm helps us to set expectations. Rhythm helps us to join the dance. Rhythm helps us to enter rest. And just as the rhythm of the heart pumps through the blood in our veins, the rhythm of God's grace brings life to our spirit. Somebody say rhythm. One of the most uh, favorite passages in the New Testament is this this test, this uh, passage we read today, Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. In it, the Lord summarizes to uh, to the people there. He is basically an invitation to discipleship, characterized by his earthly ministry. But if we're going to understand the invitation that God, that Jesus is putting here to dance and to be in rhythm, right here, right. We got to do a little bit of background search, okay? So, what is, what is Jesus talking about here? In this passage, Jesus is talking to the uh, people of Israel who were burdened and weighed down with legalism. They were weighed down with the legal, literal legal 
do's and don'ts of the Pharisees. Right? Like, y'all got to understand, when we talk about sin today and we talk about the stuff that we shouldn't be doing, right? Like you, most of them you can't, you're not going to get in trouble for. The Pharisees had legal do's and don'ts. Like, you could get arrested, taxed. Come on, somebody. Stoned. Are you, are you catching this? And the people of Israel were weighed down. They were weighed down with all of these don't, do's and don'ts. And the consequences that came with them. The guilt the frustration, the dissatisfaction, all these normal things that come along with legalism. Amen? In Matthew 23, 2, Jesus referred to the scribes and the Pharisees as men who sit in Moses' seat. Listen to this. What was his point? The Pharisees claimed the authority of Moses as interpreter, interpreters and teachers of the law, which meant they also demanded that all in Israel who submitted to Moses should also submit to them. Can I do a little bit of teaching? Then over in Matthew 23 and 4, the Lord warned the people that, uh, uh, he had warned the people of this oppressive and legalistic ways from the Pharisees. He said these words, he said, and they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders. He was speaking about the way they had hidden the meaning, the true meaning of the Old Testament law with all the religious rules and regulations. Okay? That, and that these religion, religious legalistic ways had instituted, uh, 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 they had instituted this is a way to God, to true spirituality, and as a way to receive God's blessings in their life. It's equivalent to some of the stuff we hear today in church where, you know, you got to give, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, and God's going to bless you. Amen. Don't smoke, chew, or run with those who do, and the Lord will bless you. Come on, somebody. Don't cuss everybody out this week, and God will bless your life. Give extra time, and God's going to double bless you. Come on, somebody. If you do good tomorrow, God's going to pre-bless your day on Friday. Come on. Somebody say pre-blessed day. You got that pre-blessed anointing. They had codified the Mosaic law into 365 prohibitions and 250 commandments. Ten commandments they had translated into 250 commandments. And 350 don'ts. 365, sorry. Now, 
Now listen, even though the Old Testament law was good and supposedly holy and righteous, come on, it did not bring liberty. Why didn't it bring liberty? Because it was weak and it depended on man. Amen. It did not provide a means of fulfilling. Uh, it, it provided no way for the, the people to fulfill, fulfill what the law required. And thus, it will leave men and women and children, come on somebody, left under a load of guilt and shame. Left with a load of guilt and under the weight of sin. Why? Because the law could never provide for anyone an actual way to accomplish what it required. Rather than freedom, it brought oppression. Paul said these words. Listen to me. Paul called it the administration of death. Instead of a sense of release, it brought a sense of guilt and failure. This law, this covenant under Moses, which had been carried over by the Pharisees, and they had put this weight on the people. Those who were under the Mosaic law were said to be yoked to Moses. Those who were under the authority of the Pharisees were said to be yoked to the Pharisees. This was said in Acts chapter 15. So Jesus steps in the midst of all of this. Browbeating, working, trying their best to keep the law. Most of them couldn't because they couldn't even afford to. What we talked about was it last week? That most of the folks that were considered sinners last in that time was because they couldn't afford to not be sinners. They couldn't afford the sacrifice. They couldn't afford all this stuff. And so you have this covenant uh, that people are representing God. They're saying God wants this from you. God wants this from you. And people are representing God in a way in which they are saying that God requires these things from you. This is his covenant with mankind. This is his covenant. This is the law, and this is what God wants from you. And God's like, no, 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 I do not require these things from you. I do not want these things from you. I want something for you. Somebody say, for me. And Jesus steps in the middle of all of this with people who are, who are weighed down, who are weighed down trying to keep the requirements of a law. Jesus steps in the middle of it and he says, I'm going to extend the invitation to you. Somebody say invitation. He extends this invitation to people who want to experience relief, joy, and the blessings 
of his life through grace that he gives. This is an invitation that was aimed at all the curious people and all the convinced, all, you know, all the curious people who, who were tired, who were thirsty, who were convinced that they would never be accepted, they'd never be holy. Jesus extends this invitation. Now, for many of us, this invitation may not have made, made sense. The metaphor which Jesus used in this invitation maybe didn't make sense, right? But you have to understand the community that Jesus was talking to was very acquainted with farming and, and things. So he used this, this metaphor to speak to what they would understand. So if you've done any kind of farming, you understand what a yoke is. Amen. His point was quite clear to them. Here's the problem with, with a lot of times with us in church today, right? We keep trying to take what Jesus said to them, and we try to apply it without context. Right? Are you hearing me? Right? So we try to apply something without context. Nobody wants their words taken out of context. I don't want my words taken out of context. I don't want somebody 15 years down the road to go and do something that I told my child to do and I wasn't even talking to them. And we keep doing that. Like, this is the way churches have been built. They keep trying to apply the word of God and try to uh, deny the contents of the word of God. Mm. And see, listen, if you take scripture and you deny context, you have what we call controlling text. What I like to call, you are misusing and mishandling the word of God. I think you're doing worse for the people of God. I think you're doing a disservice to the scripture to remove context. Y'all don't want to get with me today. I will Listen, I've had some people coming to me all the time. You don't need the Bible. You don't no, listen, you can worship scripture, and that's what some of us do. But scripture is not for you to worship it. It never wanted to be worshipped. Scripture does not give life. Okay. Okay. Y'all finna get mad at me, and that's fine. But these words on paper don't give life. They didn't die for you. This book didn't go die on the cross for you. Come on, somebody. And most of us spend our time worshiping the book instead of the man who the book is supposed to be about. And you'll get mad at people. And you'll, oh, yeah, yeah, don't go to that church. They don't believe in the Bible. We follow Jesus. Okay. All right. Sorry. <sighs> For many of us. <laughs> so in this farming community, they understood. All right? So we're not going to remove context from the scripture, okay? Jesus said what he said, and he said it to them in the context that they would understand. Amen. I believe if Jesus was here today, he would say it to us in a different way. Come on. Amen. Some of us would understand the farming context. Some of us wouldn't. Jesus is smart enough to know that. Amen. 
and courageous enough to be able to speak to us in our own language. That's why when he sent the Holy Spirit, he said they heard the gospel in their I love the context of that, and I love the implications. The implication is that God will always show up in your context and speak to you through your context. Okay. <sighs> a yoke was a common farming thing. It was a, I was looking up some and watching some videos and doing some stuff last night because I really wanted to just get this in my spirit, right? The yoke is a bar wood placed across the shoulders of a pair of oxen, right? And it connected the two of them at the, scru- at the scruff of the neck. And what would happen is then, once they were connected, there was a plow that would be connected to the yoke, and the pair of them would walk forward, listen now, as a team. They would walk forward as a team. They would walk forward as a team. As a And they would drag the plow uh, between them, right? And they would plow up the ground to, in preparation for the season that was coming, the planting season. Okay? I was reading some statistics last night. It says that one ox can pull a plow that's about 5,000 pounds by itself. Could pull 5,000 pounds a load. But when you yoke two of them together, you can get anywhere between 15 to 20,000 pounds. Hold on, hold on. So, so let, let's, let's think about this, right? Okay. Not only when you put two of them, it doesn't just double, it almost triples or quadruples the return. Are you hearing this? Why? Why? Why is this? This is what I was wondering. I was so curious to understand why. And, and there's some psychology behind this because what they believe is when you pair them two together, they motivate each other to do more. God, my Lord. So listen, this is what happens. Farmers in this time will often span a headstrong ox with an inexperienced uh, they, they would span a headstrong, inexperienced ox with an older, more stable, and experienced ox. So they would yoke these two together. An inexperienced one with a more experienced one. And what would happen in the yoking of the inexperienced to the more experienced is that the inexperienced one would get trained on how to Handle a load. So the older ox would train the younger and teach him how to walk. Come on, right? Would teach him how to walk together, how to get in step together, in rhythm. And once they had gotten to know each other, that team would stay together and be very powerful and very effective. The reference to yoke in that season was used by the uh, uh, the rabbinic schools in the Jewish communities. The followers of rabbi teaching were often referred to as being under the rabbi's yoke, being his students, one of his disciples. 
meaning they would be taking up his yoke, learning his ways, and living in accordance to his teachings. Amen? So Jesus shows up in the middle of people who are, are going through, uh, who are beat down by legalism, all this kind of stuff, and he invites them to be yoked. And I thought, I got to thinking about this thing. I said, Lord, help me understand this, because they are already used to these terms. They're already used to, they, some of them are yoked to previous rabbis already. They're already yoked to the Pharisees. They're already yoked to the Mosaic law. They're yoked to these things. And, and they're struggling and they're feeling heavy and all of these things. And you show up and you invite them to be yoked to you. What's the difference here? The difference is what he says after he invites them to be yoked. He says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Somebody say, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I love how the Message Bible writes it because the Message Bible says, are you burned out on religion? Are you burned out on religion? Are you burned out on this weight that religion puts on you that keeps trying to get you to prove yourself to a God who's already approved you? Who keeps trying to get you to be affirmed by people when God is the only one who can affirm you. Okay, y'all. Y'all. And the Lord began to speak to me, and I tell you, listen, I started this message talking about how I've been praying for things and asking God to show up and give me things and show me what we need to do and next steps and visions and blah, 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 blah. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Fred, I have already given you everything you need. Do you know what you have? I know what you need, but do you know what you have? I thought it was an interesting question that God would challenge me that, that I would hear this from the Holy Spirit in my, in my spirit. And, and, and the thing here is that God is like, uh, uh, listen, listen, you have grace. And grace requires nothing else from you to be pleased by me. Now, can I get real with y'all? Can I just get real, real honest with y'all? Y'all okay with the pastor being real, real honest with y'all real quick? Because here's, here's, where, here's where the fall off for me has happened. I've been asking God for things from a place of feeling insignificant if it doesn't happen. Okay, maybe you can't be that honest, but I can be that honest. If I don't get this, are you going to be pleased? Here I am, just another person going to be another failure on another calendar of somebody's life. I prayed hard and strong, and I still haven't seen you. I don't know why you hadn't showed up. What did I do? God, do you see? Do you hear? Do you notice what's going on? I can't see you. I can't feel you. What is it that we're not doing right? Oh, these are the questions I've been asking. 
And the response of the Holy Spirit is, do do you know what you have? Because what you have requires nothing more of you. And I just begin to church scripture and the Lord said, I want you to remember this, this word that's been with me all week. Come to me, all you who are, who are heavy and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Are you tired out? Are you worn uh, are you burnt out on religion? Are you tired of it? And the invitation here is to get in rhythm with God. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this. He says, many of us are experiencing burnout because we're out of rhythm. Because we've been trying to balance what God told us to dance with. You ever seen Hitch? <laughs> Many of us are doing the balancing dance instead of just being in rhythm. Here's the problem. We can't balance. We don't know how to get in rhythm. Okay, here we go. Can I say this? Many of us will never understand how to get in rhythm because we know we don't truly trust our partner. If you ever gone to a dance class, I went to one when I was in Miami with Bishop Tony Miller. We, we did a salsa dance class. Listen, bro, listen. If you ever do a dance class in Miami, it's serious down there, okay? But the instructor said, the best way to learn the rhythm is to trust your partner. Amen. If you don't learn to trust your partner, you will step on their feet, possibly injure yourself, and you'll always be out of rhythm. Amen. And the Lord spoke to me and said, most of, you, most of us don't fully trust our partner. And this causes burnout. And because we don't fully trust them, we think that they want something else from us. So we have burnout. The Lord spoke to me a couple of things I want to share with us before we dive out of this today. Because there is a deep desire and passion in my heart, right? For the next season of this church, listen to me, hear me. Because after, after next month, we're going to do some deep dives. I need y'all to hear me. Into New Covenant theology. Why? I've talked about it a lot, okay? I've always talked about New, 
New Covenant theology. But the, de- the most dangerous place you can be when it comes to New, new Covenant theology is mixture. And a lot of us struggle with good news because the good news that the Bible actually tells us is good news, for a lot of us it seems to be too much good news. I've had people say, you can't tell people they're that free. They're that free. If you tell them they're that free, they're just going to sin. And I, I responded, so a lot of times to that, have you ever been in love? If you've ever been in love, can you recall having a conversation where somebody told you a list of things you should not do? Okay, it's quiet. What am I trying to say? When me and Aaron got married, Aaron didn't sit me down and go, hey, just so you know, Here's my list of things that you should never do. Because if you do, I'm going to be gone. We didn't, we didn't have that conversation. The relationship and the love and the freedom that we have with one another developed the boundaries. Amen. I won't risk losing my relationship, so I'll put a boundary up because I love her, and I know she loves me. She ain't never got to tell me. Aaron ain't got to ever tell me, hey, do not share a hotel room with another female. Am I going to, I just, it's just not something, I don't want to die, first of all. (laughs) But it's just something that just never will happen. Amen. She never got to tell me, hey, don't be up, you know, in the middle of the night talking to another female on the phone. Even though y'all friends. It just won't ever happen. Like, we don't have to have that conversation. The boundary is set. Because of the nature of the relationship. Amen. Jesus offers freedom and forgiveness. This is what grace does. Listen, grace is not, because uh, some people get so mixed up with grace and they go, oh, you know, people going to find out they're free and they're just going to do whatever. Grace is not about, oh, oh my God, hold on, hold on, listen. The aftermath of grace is the relationship. In the relationship, you learn kingdom principles. Amen. In the relationships, this is where you're taught how to do it. This is what Christ did in the scripture. He said, walk with me, watch me how I do it. Did you catch that? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But the problem is most churches have put their yoke and their burden on them, people. And we try to call it Jesus. 
The Lord spoke to me a couple of things. I want to just write this down, okay? Religion causes burnout. Grace brings restoration from burnout. Wow. Religion causes burnout. No matter what you do, if you do it in a religious mindset, out of an old covenant theology, out of an old covenant, I think I'm going to be blessed if I do this mindset, you will burn out eventually. Amen. Are you catching what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You will burn out because religion will never sustain you. It will always ask more of you, more of you, more of you. It will always demand more of you, demand more from you. Come on, somebody. Breaks my heart when I hear and see people go, God wants more from me. No, he don't. You becoming more aware of his working in your life changes things in you. But he don't want more from you. There is a difference. Amen. I don't want my kids. I don't want more for my kids. They are my kids. Amen. I don't want my kids to go get a job and help me pay my bills. They are my children. Y'all, some of y'all like, yeah, right. Let's see if you feel like that when they're 25. When they're 25, I want them out of my house. Amen. I want more for them. Come on. Are you hearing me? But I don't want anything from my kids. My daughter, she, she loves, you know, she's doing the YouTube thing. She's always like, Dad, I'm going to buy you something one day if I'm real famous. And I'm like, that's neat. That's great. But I don't require that from you. I appreciate it. And if you ever get to the point where you can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in the passenger seat and enjoy the ride. Amen. Hallelujah. Where we going? I don't know. She's going to buy me some. Amen. But I'll never require it. Because I'm her father. And I don't require her to do things for me. I want to do things for her. I want to do things for my son. And if I'm like that as an earthly father, imagine your heavenly father. Amen. So religion causes burnout. Because religion will always demand more from you to make you feel blessed. To make you feel holy. Come on, right? To make you feel safe and protected and saved. It will always demand more of you so you can feel good about yourself and look down on everybody else. Oh, y'all don't want to talk because I'm preaching up in the house right now. Because a Pharisee Pharisee spirit always looks down on people. The spirit of a Pharisee always hopes that somebody else is inconsistent in what they're doing so you can feel good about what you're doing. 
I know it hurts when I'm stepping on your toes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we got to stop doing that. Religion will always ask more of you. And guess what? It'll never return to you what you actually need to feel secure. She'll demand more from you to the point that you burn out and then it brings no restoration to you. You know why so many people are leaving church? Because they're burnt out. Why? Because of the weight of religion. Some of the most, okay, some of the most hurt people lead some of the most charges against the church. People argue with me right now if I said, I'll tell somebody in a minute, you're not in sin, you're just hurt. You don't hate church, you don't hate God, you're not an atheist because you don't believe God exists. You're mad because you were hurt by church. And we won't, you know, sometimes people won't come to that admission, but that's the truth. You're hurt. Because religion does that to you. Beats you up. Kicks you down. It does not bring life. Paul said, administration of death. And people are walking away from Christ, from church, because of religion. Never stepping foot, never crossing foot, uh, crossing the doors of a church ever again because of religion. I know it's real quiet, but I'm going to keep going for a minute. uh, Religion produces loss of life. Grace recovers life. Look what he said. In the, in, in, over there he said, come to me. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. If he's inviting you to recover your life, religion is telling you, come on, it's, it's, it's producing loss of life. It will never give you life. This is why people get so mad at me when I tell them, Scripture is not life-giving. Okay. Now, I know people hear that and they're like, oh, it is text on paper. It is not life-giving without Christ. If it's not funneled through Jesus, through the work of the cross, through looking at Jesus, through the Son of God, it is just text on paper. And if you treat it like a rule book, you are disrespecting God's word. People get, they get so mad at me. I can't believe you, you be like, you, uh, you know, the Bible does, the Bible. Listen. I feel like I got more respect about the, in the Bible 
in my view in this new covenant than you do. Because I'm not viewing it as some list of things I got to do. I want it to, to produce life through the inner workings and the knowledge of God. And religious duty does not produce life. Kills your soul. Kills your heart. It kills your motivation. You have, listen, most of us, I'm telling you, listen, I talk to people so much, they won't go to church because it's being religious duty after duty. It just kills life. Grace recovers life. Come to me and you'll recover your life. Come to me and you'll be less anxious. Come to me and you'll be less depressed. Come to me and I will work with you. We'll, we'll figure this thing out together. Come to me and let's get on this journey together. Somebody say, Journey. I got two more for you. Ready? Religion gives you a false sense of rest. Grace demonstrates real rest. Somebody say false sense. (laughs) Here's the problem with religion, right? You accomplish what it is that you think you should have done. And then you get there, and you're like, ah, man. I didn't cuss nobody out this week. And then somebody cuts you off in traffic. And you say something. And then you're like, hmm, Jesus, I, God, I'm so stupid. And you start beating yourself up. False sense of rest. hopeless. It's a hopeless case. Hopeless cause. And you can't, you can't ever really experience freedom because you just religious produces, religion produces a cycle. Right? And then you find yourself, oh, well, I, uh, I don't know if I did well this week, but you know, we'll see. Maybe God will bless me. Right? And then you get sick and you're like, oh, man, I guess I sinned. Oh, y'all, listen, listen. We, why do we do this? Do y'all know we do this stuff in church all the time? I messed up and God, uh, I messed up and God, uh, car breakdown. I guess I don't know what, I, I need to repent. I got to pray. I got to get in my prayer closet. It is ridiculous, people. To believe that God wants to get your attention by flattening your tire. The all-powerful God, all-knowing God, wants your attention, so I'm going to flatten your tire. 
listen, if God really wanted to get your attention, don't you think he could strike you and make you sick? Huh? How about God wants your attention? How about I make you have a life-threatening car accident and keep you alive, then you'll see me. Oh, see, you see how quiet it got in here? We want to put these little things and we say it's God. And it's a false sense of rest. False sense of rest. Grace demonstrates real rest. Real rest is I trust you no matter what. Where I'm at. I made my bed in hell. You're there. I mean, that's what, that's what David said. Where can I go that your presence isn't there? What can I do when you ain't already there? Where, where can I lean on? What, you know, there's a song. Who can I run to? I don't know about it. When I'm in love. Some of y'all too young for that. Too young for that. Y'all too young. Casey's like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> young, young minds. You got to school these young people, Roger. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. They don't know nothing about that. Kenny, we got to tell them what it is. That's real music right now. Look, she, 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 tried. she gone. She gone. <laughs> Ooh, can I run to? I'm sorry. False sense of rest. False sense of rest. And we will beat ourselves up. And Grace says, let me show you how to rest. What did he say in the scripture? He said, Get away with me, and I will show you how to rest. I will show you how to take a real rest. I will show. Somebody say show. You. I thought it was interesting that the uh, message translation translated it this way because in the in the original in that. New King James Version, it says, take my yoke, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I thought about, you know, I was researching the yokes, and I thought about the teams, and I thought all this stuff. But what Jesus is doing here is saying, yoke to me. Listen, yoke to me. I was thinking to myself, when I was reading it, I was thinking, who do I yoke to? Am I supposed to be yoked to Another person, and I, you know, because we get into the religious thing, the, the, the community, and I, you know, we, two or more come together in Jesus' name. We're going to storm hell with water pistol. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to think about yoking to any other man. I don't want you to think about yoking to any system built by man. I want you to yoke to me. Because if you yoke to me, I will show you how to rest. Okay, remember, let's back up a little bit earlier in the teaching when I was telling you that they would yoke a more experienced one to an inexperienced one. And, and the, yoke, the inexperienced would be trained by being yoked to the experienced one. 
Why? Because the experienced one would do demonstrate and show the inexperienced one how to get in rhythm. Because there is a rhythm to rest. There is a rhythm to grace. There is a rhythm to walking with God. There is a rhythm. And he would demonstrate, listen to this, they would get in rhythm. And when they got in rhythm, that was considered training the young one. And Jesus says this. He says, listen, listen, I will show you how to take a real rest. In other words, I'm going to show you the rhythm of rest. I'm going to show you the rhythm of prosperity. I'm going to show you the rhythm of holiness. I'm going to show you the rhythm of righteousness. Y'all quiet in the house of the Lord. He says these words, get with me. Yoke to me. Don't be yoked to the Mosaic law. Yoke to me. Don't be yoked to the Pharisees. Yoke to me. Don't be yoked to your King James Version Bible. Yoked to. Don't be yoked to your ESV Bible. Yoked to. Oh, can I keep going? Don't be yoked to. Oh, come on. Your Maxwell Leadership Bible. Yoked to God. Yoked to Jesus. Don't yoke to Paul. Yoke to Jesus. Don't yoke to Peter. Yoke to. Don't yoke to your church. Yoke to Jesus. Don't yoke to prevail. Yoke to Jesus. Don't yoke to me. Yoke to. I love y'all, but if you try to yoke, my yoke ain't easy and my burden ain't light. Wow. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But his yoke is easy. His burden is light. My rhythm gets off sometimes. His doesn't. I can't teach you and train you like he can. Amen. The ways of life and knowing how to journey through the ups and downs and the rhythm of life. Is found when you are yoked to Jesus. Grace demonstrates real rest. He teaches you and trains you how to do real rest because you're yoked to Jesus. Who is more experienced in rest than I am? What do you mean he's more experienced in rest than I am? Well, I recall a story where he's on a boat and there's a storm going on and people are acting crazy. And guess what? He's sleeping. Jesus can sleep in a storm on a boat that's being tossed to and fro. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm like the disciples. Why are you sleeping? Do you not see what's going on? Why are you so little faith? If you knew who I was, you would rest with me in the storm. Why am I sleeping? Because I'm teaching you how to respond to a storm right now. I'm teaching you that a storm shouldn't make you frantic and chaotic and all of this stuff. I'm teaching you that if you understand my rhythm, you understood that I can rest in a storm because I talk to the storm. And when I talk to the storm, the storm responds to my voice. Oh, okay. Rest. 
teaches us how to real rest. Oh, Jesus, we caught this woman in adultery and she was acting fool and all that stuff. I ain't going to try it because my back hurting, but. <laughs> but he kneels down. And it's a picture of a quiet, solemn moment. While they're chaotically accusing this woman, Jesus is in rest. Because he never gets over excited or happy about anything like that. Come on, somebody. He can be at rest in the middle of chaos. But what the Pharisees missed and what religion will always make you miss is the training moments that he offers. In the storm, the disciples had to learn you can rest in the storm. Woman called adultery. Religion refused to learn in that moment. We don't need to stone her. She needs to be saved. Religion refused. It was ready to stone her. And God was trying to train them and teach them. Love her. Amen. Religion leaves you bound and heavy. Grace makes you free and light. Bound and heavy. Somebody say bound and heavy. Most of us have not experienced freedom, real freedom, because we're still bound to religious mindsets. And no matter how much, somebody say no matter how much, you try and you try and you try until you break that mindset you'll always find yourself circling back to the same thought pattern. I'm not good enough. Oh, I deserve this. Oh, I'm a failure. The point of the new covenant, hear me, to take this this impossible life of trying to balance yourself. He wanted to remove that so you can get a rhythm. When I say rhythm. The pursuit of balance is destroying our lives. It's destroying our lives. Because nothing's ever good enough if you're always trying to balance it. I was on a call with uh, Bishop. Um, I call him. <laughs> He'll laugh if you know I call him Bishop. <laughs> ben Daly. And he was talking about balance versus rhythm this week. And he said these words. He asked a couple questions. I'm going to read a couple of them real quick and then we're going to get out of here. But he said this thing. He said, rhythm creates order. 
balance creates chaos. Wherever chaos is present, sin has marred the original intent of God. But God is not a God of disorder. God is a God of order. And the best order is found in rhythm, not balance. Amen? Yes, this question. What areas of, of my life or my ministry do I need to create order? I want you to write this down. Ask yourself these questions. What area of my life do I need to create order? This is where we get in rhythm. Amen? It said this, rhythm manages energy, balance manages time. Rhythm manages energy, balance manages manages time and I love this he said if we had more time because that's what we think I just need more time I just need more time but he said these words if we had more time we would just waste more time the answer isn't a need for more time we have to learn how to manage our energy those who change their world know how to focus their energy And he says this, he said, balance is destroying our lives because it tells us to manage a constant. Time is a constant. Time is just going to be time. You ain't got to convince time to slow down or speed up. It's going to be time. Time is time. Amen? When God set time in motion, time kept walking. So, Time shows up to a meeting. Hey guys, what you got on the agenda today? Time? I don't know, just being time. Time, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna produce something different, new. It's just time. And balance tries to manage what is constant. Rhythm manages energy. Somebody say energy. Answer this question. What things need to be prioritized in my life so that my energy is maximized? Let me say it again. What things need to be prioritized in my life so that my energy is maximized? Write this one down too. Is my busyness leading to more fruitfulness? First question. I got you, girl. You live with me. I'll post these in the group too, if y'all, if y'all like. I'll post them. I wanna, I wanna end with this, okay? Jesus invites us to rhythm, invites us to train us, and why? I think this is key to understand. Rhythm focuses on who I am becoming. Balance focuses on what am I doing. A life of balance doesn't have time to become self-aware. Amen? 
balanced life provides no margin to be creative. When you balance your life, you balance your life to fill all of your margins. You give no, no room for spontaneity and creativity. You follow a set of rules. That's what religion does. Rhythm says that it's more important to abide in Christ than to abide in me. Amen? I do want you to write this question down. This is what I want you to jump on and thunder and think about today. Somebody said, I'm about to say thunder. Thunder on. Think about this today. Are you really? Are you ready for this? Have I created enough margin in my life to really think about who I want to become? And then write this down next to it. And who do I want to become? Rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. Some of us need to learn how to protect our margins. We have no margin. We've filled our life to the to the rim. There's no fun, no excitement, no more smiling, no more this, no more that. Everything becomes a task, a mission. Ah, oh, I gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta do that. God's like, when, when are we going to just enjoy? Just enjoy, just enjoy. You know, when we, um, when we were talking about church, when we were talking about worship and going from live band to tracks and doing some other stuff, one of the things that, that I struggled with at the beginning was I like to be creative. Okay? So when, when I thought about going to tracks, I thought, this is just confining us. I mean, what if I want a track to be 20 minutes? You know? Y'all don't know nothing about it. In a black church, a song can be 20 minutes on one line. Come on, somebody. <laughs> They'd be like, he's able. He's able. He's able. Look, she's like, oh, God, move on. It's crazy. 20 minutes. 20 minutes into the song, you he's able. Bro, we know. But sometimes, like, when we were talking about it, like, the biggest thing for me was doing tracks with, could limit creativity and spontaneity. You know, I remember doing that, and the Lord spoke to me and said, no, creativity and spontaneity is not dependent on your software. It's depending on you. The track may give you a certain amount of time. But if you're tapped in, you don't need a track. Amen. I bet the angels in heaven ain't singing to multi-track. Come on, somebody. And we get bent out of shape about stuff like that. And why? Because we like creativity. At least some of us do. 
I think for the most part, the human nature, most people are built in their human nature to go after creative things. Right? But this is what religion does. Beat you down until your creative spirit is dead. And then you find yourself no enjoyment, no happiness, no peace. What happened? Church ain't fun no more. People ain't fun no more. There's no excitement about serving. This is where I think a lot of us been. And I'm here today to announce we're done with that. Amen? Somebody said we're done with it. I cast down that spirit of religion. But that's what it is, a religious spirit. That's oppressing and beating you down, telling you you're not worthy. The devil's lying. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for what you said today. I pray to you. Speak to the hearts of your people. Let them be reminded that you have called us to a lifestyle of rhythm. Not, not balance, but rhythm. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you for what you're going to continue doing your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.